Going to throw here to Parker at the 20, at the 15, at the 10, at the 5. He is almost. He got a touchdown! He got a touchdown! He got a touchdown! He got a touchdown! He got it in! He got it in! He got it in! Oh, doctor! All right, well, howdy, guys. Welcome back to the Red Ass Podcast. Uh, this is your co host, Rob White, and fighting Texas Aggie Class of 2014. And my other host, uh, Roy May, is currently off exploring Europe. So uh, this week, I've got a very special guest, and I'll go ahead and let him introduce himself right now. Wait, hold on. So, so Roy is in Europe? I, yeah. I, I, missed <laughs> I, I missed it that I'm filling in for a world traveler. Mm hmm. Yeah, he but is. I'm, yeah, he's off and away. Um, he was over in England uh, this weekend. Uh, he got the chance to go watch uh, West Ham, his is a European soccer team, beat up on Everton. I and, won't call it kickball like I normally do, out of respect for Roy, <laughs> and then he can kick my ass. Uh, but no, hey, hey, Rob, I appreciate you letting me come and hang out. My name is Adam Drake. I I did radio here in College Station going back since '07, and then got out a, a few years ago because. Uh, country music today is not what I really like listening in country music. I understand uh, that. As as you're sporting a Whiskey Meyer shirt today, you know, like like you know, I know you understand. <laughs> no, I, I totally get it. And I'm sure you recognize, you know, my, my Whiskey Meyer shirt. <laughs> I love yes. what it says on you know, Whiskey Myers is a rock and roll band. Uh, that is one hundred percent fact. Those guys rock <laughs> as, as as hard as as anybody, but but what's cool is they still do fit in with with Texas music and Texas country. So you can play them and Kevin Fowler, uh, you know, back to back. And like like it it all fits in. It all makes sense, really. Oh, yeah. Um, and we love all of them, man. So, yeah, I mean, just kind of give us a quick, uh, quick little rundown of who you are and what you do. Yeah. So so I, I got out of that radio gig uh, a few years ago and now I'm, you know, basically just hanging out at the Dixie Chicken every day, which uh, I mean, it, it ain't a bad gig if you can get it. Uh, and for anybody who, who tweets or Instagrams or Facebooks, the Dixie chicken, that all comes through me. And, you know, we do some fun events and, uh, when we can, and also, uh, started, uh, there was a TV show that started up last year called Texas voices that started filming out of the Dixie chicken. And they've been uh, gracious enough to give us some time each week to do Texas, uh, Texas voices, Dixie chicken stories. Well, that's awesome. So, yeah, kind of, kind of take us through uh, Texas Voices. Like, who are some of the people that you uh, get to bring in with this uh, particular show? Well, so, so it's it's real funny because they called last year, and I was, I was like, all right, yeah, cool. So, like, what do you, what do you want from us? They're like, we really just want to use your building to come and hang out and film this stuff. I was like, that just seems like a no brainer. <laughs> uh, so, so you know, with, with any new show or anything, it's it's always kind of a slow move to get traction. So some of the artists that, that uh, uh, Lindsay Lippman is, is the host. She was former news uh, here in College Station and, and in Waco. Uh, she is a fight in Texas Aggie, by the way. Oh, four? Well, she's going to kick my ass if I don't get that right. I think it's oh, four. Um, and, you know, we were going for some for some uh, of the bigger names, but uh, we ended up with guys like who are amazing, by the way, like Randall King. Um, yeah. Uh, Clayton Gardner, our old buddy Clayton Gardner, and, and a few more. And it was really, really great to have those guys. Uh, so I, I was able to talk with Clayton about uh, his favorite Dixie Chicken memory. And I knew what it was because he and I have talked about this often. Uh, his favorite Dixie Chicken memory was actually playing the back porch uh, for uh, a fun run. 
and his uh, his sister came out to the show, and uh, both of his sisters and his dad came out of the show. And this was just weeks, months after his mom passed away. Oh, wow. And uh, it just so happened that weeks after this, his sister passed away too. His older sister passed away. Wow. And he's like, you have no idea, Adam, how special it was for, for us to be hanging out at the Dixie Chicken where my sister would take me when I was 10 years old. You know, and I thought it was a cool thing because I'm hanging out at a bar. I was like, uh, first off, we're a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's like, yeah, but, you know, you kind of feel like you're at a bar. And I was like, yeah, man, I, I totally get what you're saying. Uh, but he's like, it was really special to, to take that picture and to have that moment with her before she passed away. Uh, and, and, and I'm, I'm kind of fighting back a little bit of, of emotion talking about that because sure. every time I've, I've talked to him about it, he's, he's doing the same thing and he's just such a great guy, a uh, fantastic musician and, uh, absolutely love him to death. So it was great to talk with him about that. But, uh, even, even cooler than that, no offense, Clayton, I love you. But we got to go to uh, Mile Zero Fest down in Key West, yeah. And as part of Texas Voices, and I was like, "Man, this is this is cool. It's vacation. You're working. We're we're busting our rear ends to to get everything done." And we got to chat with Pat Green about his Dixie Chicken memories, uh, which he went on for about ten minutes, and this is only like a two minute segment. But mm-hmm. how am I going to tell Pat Green to shut up? Uh, when he's telling all these great stories, you know, you can't really do that. Uh, Jamie Lynn Wilson was another one, you know, another fight in Texas Aggie that we got a chance to talk to down there. Awesome. And she did the same thing. She just kept going. And I was like, I can't ask you to stop because this is so, such great content. Yeah. Um, and, and we love her around here, too. She's fantastic. She, she's amazing. I, I cannot wait. Uh, I, I, can't, I can't give any details about future things that we're working on, but I really would like to have Jamie. Come well, hang that, out of the back porch. No, oh, that'd be awesome. So, speaking of Mile Zero Fest, I saw they made some yep. uh, announcements today. A few few bands. Oh. That I'm, I'm pretty excited about that'll be there. I, I have not seen this. You're you're breaking news to me. Get, give me. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna start looking this up while you're telling me. All right. So a handful of names uh, that they dropped. Uh, the Great Divide is going to be there. Uh, the Damn Quails. Uh, really interesting group out of North Carolina called uh, Forty Nine Winchester. I love okay. those guys. I love those guys. Um, actually, recently discovered them. I, they're a really cool little red dirt type of group out of, out of uh, North Carolina. Uh, Grady Spencer and the Work are going to be there, and one of my really good buddies, uh, Lucas Jagno and the Roadshow. They're out of Louisiana. They will be there again. That's awesome. I, I think Lucas. Yeah, yeah. Lucas was there last year. I had a chance to, to meet him and, and catch one of his shows. That's the cool thing about about Mile Zero Fest, man, is that. There are literally so many amazing artists that are there every year. Mm-hmm. And you, you can't see everybody that you want to see because mm-hmm. there's just so many. And they might they might be playing uh, the same stage or a different stage at the same time as somebody else. The the guys that I was like, I am not missing this show uh, was Shane Smith and the Saints. Of course. Uh, the Topo Chico Cowboys, Josh Ryder and Drew Kennedy mm-hmm. and Matt Stalling. And, and that that was no offense to anybody else, but those guys, Josh and Josh Drew and I go way, way, way back. Uh, actually, the building that I'm sitting in right now, old Alfred T. Hornbacks, uh, which mm-hmm. which was probably before your da- your time, right? Mm-hmm. You're 14, so we clo- they closed here at 11. Mm-hmm. This was the first place I ever saw Drew Kennedy, and that was 
15 years ago or something like that. And he wow. has just gotten better and better uh, and just an amazing songwriter, an amazing singer. So, yeah, those were the guys that I was I was sure to catch. But, man, yeah, Dan Quell's Great Divide. Uh, and Johnny Burke, if you don't know Johnny Burke, check him out, too. He's really, really good. Oh, very nice. Yeah, I'll definitely add that one to the list. I'm you know, seeing all those folks on there. Uh, yeah, so I'm pretty excited about Mile Zero Fest. It's a pretty fantastic you know, and, little run. And there's also going to be a uh, Mile Zero Fest Texas Voices stage this year. So, yeah, that's awesome. Rob, like if you want, I mean, I think there's still some packages available. <laughs> if you want to get in on that and come hang out with us, man, you know, we, uh, somebody might need a bass player. Oh, there you go. I mean, I wouldn't mind uh, checking it out. It all, all kind of depends on, you know, our schedule, you know. Um, yeah, with Carson Jeffrey, we've been staying busy, man. Uh, I, I mean, think... Carson, all, all it takes is a phone call, Carson. You know, get that ball rolling, bud. Just yeah. saying. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Um, so Carson is on the ticket for um, Music Fest up at Steamboat this year. So that's pretty exciting. That's uh, awesome. So um, yeah, he's going to be going acoustic, of course. Uh, but, you know, I, what? I so you're gonna you're gonna be stuck here at home while he's up there with the snow bunnies? Yeah, unfortunately, uh, the way it worked out this year with the tickets, I mean, because they missed out on it last year. Um, virtually everybody that had a chance to jump on a ticket snatched pretty much all of them up. And unless yeah. you were unless you were a somebody that was performing, you're not really getting in as another musician unless yeah. you went out and spent the extra money on those packages. So. Uh, we're on a couple of waiting lists, uh, might be able to get a chance to go, but um, at least as of now, it's looking like I'm going to be staying out of the snow, at least for the minute. Oh, well, man, that, that's a good time. I actually had a uh, continuing along with the Texas Voices, had a chance uh, to catch up with John Dixon. Uh, we were at Coke Fest with Texas Voices awesome. uh, and, and John Dixon, of course, ran the back porch show of the Dixon Chicken. He booked all those bands back in the day. And he was there. Uh, he had a really great chat with Cody Canada, who, of course, oh, yeah. you know, they, they put out that album a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, that, that musical tribute album to Cody Canada from Steamboat. And man, it, uh, he was he enjoys what he does, man. Um, yeah. And it, it was great uh, to, to run into John and chat with him after a long time. And uh, he, he was talking about just how great it is to go back year after year and to see Music Fest continue to grow. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. I mean, I love the fact that it continues to grow every year. Um, one of my favorite recordings of a song uh, that's ever been put out was actually recorded up there. Um, if you not- say Dub Miller front porch song, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to laugh hysterically. Well, I, so that, that is a great recording, and I love that song. And I love his version of it because you, know, you and I, you know, we've talked about it several times. If you haven't listened to Dub Miller's version of the Front Porch song, it's on Spotify. It's a great tune. Yeah, um, or or Dub Miller in general. I, I'll I'll throw another big shout out to to Fighting Texas Aggie Dub Miller, who uh, I was hanging out with a little bit for the Alabama game. But anyway, continue. What what's your yeah. go, go to your song? It's good. So um, you know, a college station local, uh, but you know, Red Raider. Uh, that would be William Clark Green. Uh, yeah. he, he recorded, it's not on Spotify, but you can find it on YouTube. Uh, new song he put out uh, that's going to be on this upcoming record of his. That's called Me, Her, and You. Uh, that song Ooh. is going to be um, on there. And it's it's a great little love triangle kind of song. It's fantastic. I've got to find out. I'm a huge Will Green fan. Me too. Um, a, a, another guy that just, 
you know, he, he doesn't fit in country really. Like, like he's got more of that raspy voice that you expect to hear in rock songs, but mm. and he, he just really fits in thematically with guys like, you know, even like a Cody Johnson and Aaron Watson, it, it, he's not the same, but he's, you know, he's, he's a cousin of music, you know, kind of like, again, Whiskey Myers. They're all cousins just playing great music. Yeah, I like I like to think that he falls in line with what I would call a utility band because he could play with a Cody Johnson, but then he could open for a Co Wetzel or whatever because he's he's done both. And yeah, he, and he continues to just you know make wonderful music. And honestly, his songwriting is just getting better and better. Uh, you know, aging like a fine wine as it was. So I, I, I agree. I agree with that 100, percent man. I, I love Will. Uh, can't wait to see more of the successes. But hey, let, let's let's let, let me ask you about that a little bit more since I've given a few of my music thoughts. Sure. What are what are some of the guys or, or, or girls out there right now that you're kind of kind of digging that you're like, man, that would be cool if they would come play the back porch of Dick's Chicken, or I saw them at Mile Zero Fest or Music oh, Fest. Oh, oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, there's so many great artists out there right now and i know it's not necessarily uh, a lot of your cup of tea because you know these things kind of generational right yeah uh, uh, and oh let's also put this out there i'm not as old as roy but yeah. i am an old man <laughs> like i i'm that i'm like get the hell off my lawn uh <laughs> you kids and your newfangled words that y'all say i don't know what the hell y'all are talking about so yeah yeah well, we'll get that out of the way oh sure no I mean, I mean there's so many great little artists out there i mean um, you know, a, a lot of the guys that I like, I mean, you know, there's, you know, Dalton Domino. Um, he's been working with a lot of uh, folks with his little honcho music group that uh, that he's been getting going. Um, you know, my buddy Jordan Nix, who I used to play with, uh, he's on the ticket with them. Jacob Stelly, um, who's another Aggie. Um, he's a great little songwriter. Um, I'd like to see him get a little bit of traction. Um, my buddy Dalton. Jordan. Yeah. When, when Dalton moved to town. Uh, he, he said he really wanted to help. I mean, this is the red ass podcast. So right. we'll, we'll bring you back a little red ass. He is a red Raider. Uh, Dalton yeah. Domino was one of those Lubbock guys. And as much as I hate Lubbock, they put out some great music time and time again. No doubt. And Dalton said that there's so much talent here. And that if he's going to be living here, he really wants to cultivate these young artists, these young Aggies mm -hmm. and, and try to help them whatever way he can. And I think he's done a stellar job so far, especially with guys like a Jacob Steli, mm. who are just really, really good, man. Yeah, and you got Slade Coulter and a handful of other guys that are under his wing that are going to get some traction here before long. Um, obviously, plenty of Red Raiders, plenty of Aggies. Um, I actually filled in with a buddy of mine, uh, Cole Whittlesey. He's a local guy um, that's going to get some good traction here before long because he's been playing some better, bigger shows and. I really hope he gets a chance to get it going. Um, me and uh, uh, Darius Ross, who is uh, Dylan Wheeler's drummer, we we filled okay. in for, we filled in for him over at um, this Fourth of July gig where we opened for uh, Aaron Lewis and Colby <clears throat> Cooper, Pegasus in the Rooftops, Jake Worthington, all those guys. So, so I, I think it's yeah. great that that there's so many Aggies coming along and and wanting to play music, and the it, it's great that a lot of the community has started to embrace them because for so long we would have a handful here and then they would move to Austin. They would move to Fort Worth or anything. Uh, right. But, but if you can find a way to keep these, these Aggie artists here uh, and, and I've told everybody this, you know, going back almost 15 years is 
College Station is such a great market to, to be a base out of oh, because yeah. what, what is the, what's the stat? You know, we're within three hours of 75% of the population of Texas. Yeah. So if it's not anything to do a Wednesday through Saturday run up to the Metroplex and, you know, down 35 to Austin and back home. I mean, that's that's a great weekend. And same if you go down Houston, Corpus, San Antonio and back like it's a it's a really great place to be a base out of. And, and I really I understand the guys moving to the San Marcos area or Fort Worth. Great places that really help cultivate music. But, man, I, I tell you, if they could they could start making that base here more and we just have a couple of guys to make this a music friendly city again that we could just latch on to that would be amazing well and and you know to your point i think something that's really um yeah that's really kind of getting some good vibes at least for me is seeing some venues up in Bryan getting going because really you've got three towns uh, that i would argue for college kids in particular because let's face it the current market is fed by the college kids there's really three towns that you've got to have a really good, strong base in, and that's College Station, uh, Stephenville, and Lubbock. Um, San Marcos is you know right right there as well. Um, and if you can kind of just set get a good little base in any of those towns, ironically with you know Carson Jeffrey, you know he's an Aggie, but our stronger base is in Lubbock, ironically. Um, uh, well, because and and again, I, I'm not an Aggie. You know, we we've talked about this. I'm not an Aggie, but but I, I've been here long enough that. My livelihood depends on it. My wife works at the <laughs> university, so I, you know, I right. feel adopted into it. Um, as as an Aggie and Aggie fan, God, I hate Lubbock. <laughs> I hate <laughs> Lubbock so much. I hate the Red Raiders, but God, I love the music and I love the people that they put out. And and, oh, yeah. and of course, Red Raider fans are listening to this. I'm, you know, it's all in good fun. You know, I don't Always. truly. But it, you know, it's uh, those those kids up there know some great music, they do. and so. It's great to have a base in uh, in Lubbock, you know, even if you are an Aggie, because I mean, we've we've accepted theirs for a long time. I mean, you go going back to to Pat Green and Corey Morrow days, and of course Wade Bowen and right. and Josh Abbott and so forth and so on. I mean, yeah, and then of course more recently, Pegasus and the Rooftops. Uh, you know, they they're out of Lubbock as well. I mean, they all met. I mean, several of them were roommates together. That's actually a lot of them lived in the same house. Uh, nice. And they just ended up making a band out of it. And they're one of the bigger Texas bands on the scene, at least of the newer generation. So it's it's been really interesting watching kind of the growth of the scene and seeing, you know, what's spitting, what's not. Um, you know, for us, we just had our first uh, headline debut over at uh, Twisted J this past Saturday. And we that's, sold that's Stephenville. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we sold over 400 tickets, which um Crazily enough, I mean, that put us numbers wise ahead of Dylan Wheeler and Pecos uh, in that wow. town over the over this month. So that was really cool for us. Um, but just seeing the growth and seeing how many people are really starting to latch on to what we're doing, as well as the older bands that have been around for a minute, you know, encouraging the growth and whatnot for us. I mean, we've got two shows coming up with uh, Kevin Fowler. And frankly, he wanted us on for that entire Christmas run, but we had other, com- we already had other commitments. So we are playing with him at Green Hall in November and uh, Wild West and Cedar Park in December. So Kevin and I go back much, much farther, further than uh, he, he would probably like to admit back in the early 2000s, 2003, four or so right. uh, when I was in Beaumont. 
And uh, he and I were talking probably about seven or eight years ago about how he finds it funny that he's now, quote, an old fart in the music <laughs> where, you know, years ago it was him and Pat Green and they, you know, they would always turn to Robert Earl or, uh, mm-hmm. or, or Guy Clark or somebody in at Jerry Jeff and ask them questions. And he's like, slowly but surely, people started calling us and asking us for our advice on record deals or yep. how to tour this or that. And he's like, Pat, when did we become the old farts? And, you know, <laughs> but he, he says he really enjoys that. He, he really enjoys uh, helping mentor uh, these younger artists. And I mean, it, it also helps him get in front of a younger base because God bless Kevin. He doesn't put out music every 18 months, 12 months, like, like you might should, you know, it's, five six years sometimes between right. between records so some of these kids in stephenville or lubbock or college station might not really know who he is but you put carson jeffrey in front of him and get those 20 22 year olds out there well they'll stick around for kevin because carson's talking about how great it is to, to open up for kevin and wow. same thing in lubbock and and, and stephenville and say marcus and everywhere else uh, i'm sure well and and the cool part especially with kevin valor i mean yo he puts on an incredible show every time I've ever seen him. The dude oh can, yeah. I mean, he commands the stage and he, he knows what he's doing. He's, he's definitely seasoned in that, but he is. I've, I've seen him dozens of times and never has he put on a less than a plus show. Not yeah. once. And so, I mean, that's always cool for us because, you know, we're not completely set in what our set looks like as, as, as most people. So in, uh, in order for us to kind of grow, it's good to see what some of these older bands are doing and what we can kind of learn and grow from them. Case in point, we opened for, uh, you know, Tracy Lawrence, who's, you know, he's not a Texas guy, but we opened for Tracy I, Lawrence on Thursday. He's, 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 you know, a, a born Texan. Sure. So we'll, well, I'll take Tracy Lawrence as again. Yeah. There's a difference in Texas music and Texas artists, but, but yeah, no, man, I, I love Tracy Lawrence. And uh, what, wh- how, how was opening up for him? I mean, it was cool. I mean, we played over at the heart of Texas Fair and Rodeo there up in uh, or, over in uh, Waco, which is, I think they told us the second largest fair in Texas behind the state fair. Mm-hmm. And we went out there and I mean, we had, we probably had upwards of a thousand people by the time we finished up our set. And of course, Tracy Lawrence goes up there and just even being a little bit older than all of us, he killed it, did a great show, his, his entire band are dudes out of Nashville and they are all just real tight, real fantastic. Um, some older guys, some younger guys, but they put on a wonderful show and it, we learned a lot from it. Um, being able to say, wow, that was a really cool transition. Let's see if we can't do something similar. And that's kind of how you build your show is things that, you know, work and things that might could use a little bit of extra help. That's uh, well, I mean, a lot of what they Garth, do. Garth Brooks built his show off of watching Chris Ledoux. Yeah. And, you know, saw, saw what was working for Chris and then just multiplied it in, in that Garth way and lo- love or hate Garth. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying which one you should do, but that dude changed the way a country artist can put on a show. And you can see that with Cody Johnson's show mm-hmm. where they're, they're putting on a rock show with fiddle and steel guitar mm-hmm. and, like those guys just kill it, man. And so you got to find what works for you. And that works for Cody Johnson and that works for, for Garth. And uh, so, so it's, it's, it's that fine line of 
taking from somebody else uh, and making it fit what you do as an artist. Yeah, and I, I love every minute of it. It's, I mean, you know, me, I grew up, you know, everyone argues George Drake, Garth Brooks in Texas. You know, that, that seems to be a common argument. Me personally, I've always liked Garth just because that's what I grew up with. And, you know, I had the old VHS uh, from the early 90s when he did a live show. And I damn near destroyed that VHS. How many times I watched it? It was just fantastic. And See, was, and on, <laughs> on the other side of that coin, I, I'm a George Strait guy. And, and again, it's not a disrespect to Garth. I, I, I'm much more of the singer part of things. Sure. And man, George Strait can sing the phone book and make it sound amazing. You're I don't need wrong. him running around a hundred miles an hour because that didn't, that wouldn't work for George. But, no. but I went to both, I went to both concerts for George and, and, and Garth in about a 15 month span. And they were both amazing, both one and two concerts I've ever seen. And my wife and I differ. I prefer George. She preferred Garth because everything that George sang for over an hour was a smash hit. Mm -hmm. And Garth's were all hits too. But just, I mean, think about this. He's got over 60 number ones and, and, and times three minutes a song. You're not even able to get all of your number one songs into that, that type of set much less songs like Amarillo by morning, which didn't hit number one. And, and, and so many others that petered out at, you know, two to two to 10. Sure. And hit, that's, I, I, uh, it, it's a, it's a battle that will forever rage, but, and again, no offense to Garth, give me George. That's fair. So absolutely love getting to talk music and obviously having you on the cast makes it really easy to do so. And that's always fun. And Roy loves talking music too. Um, he, he's got plenty of great opinions uh, about various different musical artists. Uh, one thing I did want to kind of touch on was, you know, you went on a fun little trip this uh, past weekend to Blacksburg. What was going on with that? I did. I did. My buddy, Steve Fullhart, uh, he, he did local news here. Now he works at the Brass Valley Economic Development Corporation in town, right. you know, helping bring businesses in, uh, which is, which is, he does an amazing job of that. Uh, his, his dad is the commandant of the Corps of Cadets at Virginia Tech. No kidding. I didn't realize and, that. That's and awesome. so uh, he, he's like, look, dad's getting ready to retire in a few years. I really want to go to a game uh, before that happens. Do you want to go with me? I was like, hell yeah, man. I, I'm all up for traveling around and, and watching football someplace else. So it was it was a lot of fun because I got the the inside scoop on a lot of uh, of their core things. And, and again, I'm not a, I didn't go to A&M but I've spent enough time around here to see all of the core mm -hmm. traditions and all the core things they do. So it was really cool to see it someplace else and to see just how much these young men and women who are either, if you're going civilian track or if you're going uh, military track, how much work they put into this. And, and, you know, we see it here every morning and we might take it for granted. Uh, but I mean, they're there at six 30 every morning, mm -hmm. you know, in their formations, ready to go. And, uh, they even took, I'm not going to say stole, but they, they, they got, um, a, a dog there just, a, just a few years ago cool. uh, that is their, their core mascot. And one of the reasons was because the, the cadet who came up with the idea said, you know, a lot of our, uh, a lot of our core members are missing their pets at home. I think we should do this. And he came 
to, to General Fullhart with a with a full proposal, and it looked great. And part of it was the way Texas A&M takes care and the things that we do with Reveille here. And uh, uh, General Fullhart was like, "This is amazing. Let's do it." And so uh, it was it was really cool to to hang out with uh, Growly Two and Growly Three while I was there, ready to to retire Growly Two. You know, the pandemic just took a took a toll on him, and he became much more of a house dog because he wasn't able to go and do all the things. Right. So uh, Growly Three is is in place, and his real name is Striker. Growly Three's real name is Striker, and Growly Two is Tank. Um, okay. And and they're just they're just the cutest and the goodest of boys. But my heart still belongs to Reveille as uh, Miss Rev Ma'am is is the best dog in the whole wide world. Yeah. So I do have to ask one question because yeah. I'm sure I'm sure many of my people would would want to know how was the intro with Inner Sandman? Is it up to the hype? Uh, you know, I'm I'm going to say yes. It was up to the hype. The only thing that probably didn't live up to to what I was is it was a two thirty game. Sure. And not a night game. So right. a night game, you're probably a lot more hyped. And they were also just coming off a, a I think, a two-point loss to Notre Dame the week before. So I mean, we know how that is. You, 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 you lose a close one. You're just kind of a little down the next week. Uh, but, man, I, I got a recording of it, and it was great, especially sitting there with a the core. Mm-hmm. And they were jumping around. They were super hyped for it. Uh, it was it was really awesome, and that was the one thing my wife said about the trip. She's like, "Look, it's fine if you go. I want you and Steve to have a great time, but if Metallica happens to show up at the game <laughs> and, and do anything, and you get to meet them, I'm going to be pissed. Yeah, because I'm the country guy. She's the rock girl. She's the she's the big Metallica fan, and so I was really wanting to tease her." And take a picture with some random guys' heads, and like that's Metallica in front of me. I just couldn't take a picture of their faces, uh, but I didn't do that. So uh, <laughs> that's but awesome. It, 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 it did live up to the hype, and and I had a lot of fun. And they were talking about, isn't this such a crazy environment? And this is where I, I and and God bless Virginia Tech. It seats about sixty six thousand people. Right. I mean, right. You know, a little over half of what Kyle is. A little over half of Kyle, and it was an amazing experience. You know, you're you're you kind of feel like you're right there on the field, no matter where you are. But man, I, I loved it, and I and I want to go back, and I want to want to do it all again. But man, nothing beats Kyle Field to me. No, I, I've, I've I've been to you know a few different stadiums. I really want to go to more, but so far, and I'm not saying it because of of where I am and who I am and what I do. Man, Kyle Field is just a different environment. And we saw that up against Alabama a couple of weeks ago. I mean, the 12th man was was in effect more than any game at any stadium I've ever seen or heard or or, or whatever on TV or in live person. Yeah, uh, one thing I will say as I was getting some serious vibes, and uh, you know, speaking of Kyle Field in that particular game, I wasn't there. I don't know what the energy was, but from what people were telling me. The closest I can think of is, you know, I've been to several electric games at Kyle Field in, in my time. Um, obviously, the biggest one for me uh, was honestly my freshman year. Uh, we played against uh, Nebraska, and it was just that really that crazy game. You know, you're talking Kyle Field at the time only sat 82,000 people, and yet we packed in 90. 
into Kyle Field, and it was rocking and rolling from opening whistle till we uh, ended up flooding the field at the end um, because all the freshmen were on the track, and we just said, screw it, we're rushing the field. So, <laughs> Money well spent, I believe. Money well spent from the AD. Well, the funny part was that was still Big 12 days. They didn't they didn't charge us for that back in the day. That That's a that's an SEC thing, so we lucked Man, out with it, that. It, it feels so long ago to think Big 12 days. Like, I, like I was yeah. here for those. Mm-hmm. And and uh, for a good handful of those, and it, it seems like another lifetime ago. And I, I love the trajectory that AM is on, and I love what all we've got going, man. It's it's somebody asked me uh, a while back, like, hey, would you like to go back to the Big 12? If I was like, absolutely not. No. There's not a there's not a th- thing in the world. Yeah, but you guys are doing really good right now. If you didn't have to play face LSU and Alabama every year, I was like, I like facing those guys every year. Like that's that's how you get better is like, facing guys like LSU and Alabama, not facing, you know, Kansas and Kansas State, you know, in, in a down year Baylor. Well, like I said, that, that goes back to yeah, sorry about that, guys. Uh slight technical difficulty there. But yeah, no, I mean, one of my favorite, I mean, you know, I think about the road trips, you think about you know, Alabama, you know, getting to go to Tuscaloosa or Auburn, um, Baton Rouge, Athens, Gainesville. Would I rather make those road trips or would I rather go to Waco and Lubbock and Manhattan and Ames? You know, it's just, it's not even a question for me. And, and I'm not saying anything bad about those towns. I mean, I, I, again, you know, we've talked about Lubbock a couple of different times. Lubbock, Lubbock is great. I would have a great time if, if we were having to go to Lubbock every other year. Uh, sure. it'd be great to go to Waco every other year because it's literally 90 minutes. I would, I would wake up in the morning and just drive up there. That would be great. But to visit places like, you know, let, let, let's even go to the East and Gainesville yeah. and, you know, going to, going to Columbia, South Carolina. Yeah. I mean, these things are just like, that's college football to me. And, and you don't really get that, especially in like the big 12 North. I don't, I don't think they have their North and South anymore, but you know, I mean, it's just it just doesn't have the same feel. Um, and and I'm not saying that Vanderbilt does either. Matter of fact, if it were up to me uh, and maybe we can get Ross Bjork in on this one day, uh, <laughs> can we trade Virginia Tech uh, for Vanderbilt? We get you know, we get the better end of that deal that yeah. feels much more SEC and much more, you know, uh, like like college football to me. Well, and, you know, you talk about teams that I would happily trade out. I mean, honestly, you know, as much as I do love Vanderbilt, especially for baseball, it's a, it's a good little school to have in there. Yeah. But, um, you know, if you look at, honestly, just from an atmosphere standpoint, if we're just looking to add additional good football schools, I mean, there's three from the ACC that I would pick up immediately. I'd go get Florida State, I'd go get Clemson, and I'd go get Virginia Tech. And, frankly, I would love Virginia Tech as a cross, you know, some kind of cross rival strictly based on our core industry. I think so, that'd be awesome. So prior to July or whenever the news broke that Texas is coming into the SEC, right. I would not have sent Florida State. I would have let Florida keep their own state as you know, as a lone SEC representative from the state of Florida. Right. But but now with Texas coming in, you know, we got to share with them. Well, sorry, Florida. Maybe you should share with Florida State. Let them come in. Yeah. Um, and even if we didn't get you know a Florida State or a Clemson, and Look, nobody really knows what's going on with with any more expansion. 
if we're going to go to 18 or 20 or whatever else. But I think even even places like North Carolina State. Oh, sure. Raleigh. I mean, great. Would, I mean, I think that'd be a great addition. I mean, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of anti breaking up um, North Carolina and Duke. I think that that needs to be I, a thing. I, I think North Carolina would be great, too. But, yeah, I am the same way. I think those two need to stay together. Um, but I, I don't know if Duke would really fit in. North Probably Carolina not. might fit in a little bit with the SEC. Uh, but I, I don't know about Duke. But I would, uh, I would take NC. I, I would, yeah, I would take NC State over those two. I, I think that'd be a lot of fun. And those are the two teams. Like I, I've said for for years now, give us North Carolina State and Virginia Tech as the expansion. And I really was hoping and thought that's the way that it was going to go. Or if you're going to give us a school closer to us, I thought it would be Okie State. Um, sure. But. But, you know, I think it'll be fun to have Texas and Oklahoma in. I don't love it. I don't, I don't like the politics that, that come in with, with one of those schools. Uh, you yeah. can use your imagination to figure out who I'm talking <laughs> about. Uh, but I can tell you this. I think that first game day, and, and I think it's going to be 2023. I don't think they had enough time to work everything out for 2022. I mean, we know they didn't have enough time. Right. But I think it'll be 2023. Uh, at the latest or, or at the earliest that we get them in that first game day with the Longhorns in this town will be absolutely and utterly insane and just short of a license to print money. Well, and of course, um, you know, I'm one of those anti-neutral site people, you know, that could not happen. Oh God, yes. And that, neutral site is the worst. That game needs to be on campus. It just, it just has to be. And I, I, I don't think there's a question about that. I don't think that there's – I think that Ross is of that same same mind frame. Ross Dork is – he doesn't like the one that we're playing right now. So why would we add another one? I would. And in the, in the brief conversations I've ever had with him in passing, you know, we've, we've talked about how much it means to local businesses in town. That's right. To have these games here because we get seven or eight a year, and I, I'm, I'm – Telling, telling you right now, those seven or eight games a year affect local businesses like none other. When we only get six, it's horrible. It's, oh, yeah. I mean, not horrible, but, you know, it, it's, it's just, a, just another, another great weekend that we can add to our caps and, and feel really good. I agree. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like I said, obviously a lot of, a lot of excitement there um, with the expansion, and I'm really curious to see what's going to happen with it. Um, so I did want to jump in kind of, you know, maybe a brief little highlight of that Missouri game this last week. I didn't get a chance to watch much of it because, yeah, we were traveling, but, um, but, yeah. and, and obviously you were at Virginia Tech, but I mean, obviously the run game looks really good and, you know, they just took care of business at Missouri who frankly, within the last several years has kind of been a thorn in our side. Yeah. So I, I had my AM socks on. Because uh, it, I, was, I was very thankful that at Virginia Tech, they do different effect games. So they had their white effect wherever they ask everybody to wear white. I was very glad that this was the maroon effect game that I went to. Perfect. So I got to wear maroon. And, you know, I was respectfully asked, hey, look, you know, don't wear an a and I, like, I was like, no, no I, I got plenty of just straight maroon myself. Well, well that's fine. So um, we were sitting there for a brunch. Uh, with with the Corps of Cadets thing going on, and I had my phone 
and my earbuds set up on the table during this brunch at nice. 11 a.m. noon where we were and was watching the game. And it was so hard during that first quarter, those first two early touchdowns, not to just start fist pumping because <laughs> everybody's else, nobody else is paying attention to what I'm watching. They're listening to these speakers talk. And it was, it was a really great start to the game. And I think, I think Calzada, uh, I think Calzada all along has, has got a little bit of a bad rap in the first couple of games. Oh, agreed. They're like, oh, he's, he sucks. He's not very good. I was like, man, no, he, the, the offense was designed around a mobile quarterback because they knew that the offensive line was going to be a work in progress. Mm-hmm. So with the work in progress offensive line early on, and Zach Calzada not being a mobile guy, it was going to take time for him to find his feet. And he found it at, at Alabama, and they, but they also solidified that offensive line. The offensive oh, no line work was key. And we didn't get a lot of offensive rushing yards uh, out of that. Uh, but it's, he was still open, and he was still able to find his guys. And I think we saw that in at Mizzou. I haven't watched the whole game yet. I, I watched the first quarter and kind of bits and pieces here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I think I think the offense is on the right direction. And, and I saw a lot of people say uh, it was a 21-point win, but it just felt like a like an uninspiring 21-point win as the second half went on. I mean, any, uh, anytime because, you can go on the road and win in the SEC, I'll take that as a win. And so, yeah. you know, and, and I mean, frankly, second half, you know, it was kind of going through the motions. We started to pass the ball more because Zach Calzada needs reps passing the ball because uh, we could have run for 500 against them if we wanted to. That yeah. Their rest defense is bad. So it was a good opportunity for us to, you know, kind of treat it like a tune-up game for the offense a little bit. It, you know, and, and I won't call it a tough road environment, but a road environment. A, a road environment, and and we 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 as a twelve fan know how that is. That when you've got your fans on your side, mm-hmm. and when you've got fans against you, you can feel the difference on that field. Yeah. Um, and 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 again, it wasn't a huge crowd uh, in in Columbia, but still, you don't have your guys cheering you on, which might affect some some kids. But thank goodness it didn't affect the Aggies on Saturday. Yeah. And they came out with a 21-point victory, which, uh, again, like you said, could have rushed for another 300 yards and could have scored another a few touchdowns and, and had a 48-point victory. But it was it was great to see Calzada get some reps. Didn't look amazing all the way through. Uh, but, but again, it, it takes time. It, it takes uh, rep after rep after rep until he's finally comfortable. Yeah, and it was, it was good to see them take care of business. Um, you know, especially in what was everybody said was going to be a trap game, you know, maybe a hangover game. But, you know, they pretty much put that to bed by scoring 21 in the first and just throwing from there and to a pretty comfortable win. So I'll take that. I mean, I, I, I mean, if you would have said a 21-point win, you know, uh, after Bama, yeah, I, I think every single Aggie fan would have taken that. I agree. You know, after those two losses and – you know, not thinking we're going to score 10 points, period. But to having a 21-point win, I think I think everybody would have taken that, whether you looked great, sloppy, or, or anywhere in between. No, for sure. So as we look ahead to this next week, you know, we've got uh, you know, South Carolina coming into town. 
Um, you know, a lot of people aren't really too high on the Gamecocks. Uh, you know, they squeaked out. They had a very hard-fought victory. Don't say squeaked. Hard-fought <laughs> victory over those Vanderbilt Commodores. Yeah, really earned uh, that one. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I, again, even if you, even if it's not a great team, and this might sound like coach speak, something Jimbo would say, but you can't look past anybody in the SEC, whether it be Mizzou or Vanderbilt. I mean, look what Vanderbilt did here last year. Oh yeah, uh, well, they, they played a stuff or a South or a South Carolina team who doesn't look great. You can never look past those guys. No, never once. Um, so it was. Uh, so I think you know South Carolina. Very similar story to what we're going to see with that Missouri game. Just got to go in there and take care of business. And I, I think um, Zach is doing better early because you know, everybody knows you've got your you got your pre-scheduled plays. Like you mm-hmm. know what you're going to do. Like your first two or three series, you're going to go A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Um, and I think he is really getting a grasp on how to work those those first two or three series. It's if he can continue to grow, and, and I think he, I think he will. He's got a great quarterback coach right there with Jimbo Fisher. Um, I think that he will continue to grow, and and we'll see him get better in those second and third quarters because he can also pull it off in the fourth quarter, yeah. as we saw against Alabama. So I mean, he's not just a a you know paint by the numbers guy. He can get out there when he needs to when the game's on the line. Yeah. So. Uh... You know, A&M's currently a 20-and-a-half-point favorite over uh, South Carolina. Um, I'm going to take your over-under on it. I think we win the game uh, outright. I think the question is going to be, do we cover or not? What are your thoughts? Uh, Yeah, I I think that all depends on – I mean, because Jimbo's never a run-up-the-score guy. He's never going to be one that says, hey, we're 20-point favorites. Uh, We should totally win by three touchdowns. He's just going to let his guys do their do their thing. And again, if we get in the same situation as the Missouri game, and we're just running all over them in the first half, and everything's looking looking like peaches, I, I think he's going to back off enough to try to work some other things in there. Try to work the passing game here, or sure. this is that time of year where you might try to throw in a a third running back, or maybe maybe Zach throws for 400 yards in the first half is like, you know, maybe we can sit you down and we can get Boston there. And yeah. so, so you can't say, say anything. And, and, and again, the defense worked really hard in the second half. So they might give up a few in the first half that, that makes that not a 20 point game. Yeah. All right. It's, but, uh, yeah. I think that'll be certainly interesting. Um, so looking at some of the other games across uh, college football, uh, here's here's a here's a couple of different things I wanted to look at. Um, so a few games I wanted to highlight. Uh, Two thirty CBS. You have LSU coming off of that a big win against uh, Florida, and they are going on the road to Ole Miss. Ole Miss is currently a nine point favorite on CBS. Two thirty. Uh, I, I take the over on the Ole Miss. Uh, I, I think with uh, Ed Ogeron, from everything that I've read, everything that I've seen his players just aren't as behind him as you would want them to be. I don't mm-hmm. think. Uh, and, and that was the part that scared me when it was first announced that he was going to be gone at the end of the season is, well, how we saw this with Les Miles a couple of times. Les was all but fired going into that Thanksgiving weekend game. Yep. And his job got saved because his team beat the Aggies. 
so that that gave me initial trepidation of this. But everything else I've seen, the players are not playing for for Elgeron as much as I thought that they might uh, with with him probably out the door. And now he's officially out the door. Exactly. So I I think we'll see just how inspired they are the rest of the way. But I agree. I think Ole Miss is going to take care of business. Um, you have Alabama. I, 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 th- I think if I think if we if they don't come out inspired this week, I think that's that's it. I think they're they're probably not inspired for the rest of the games, including ours. So I, I, I I'm taking the over. I think I think that uh, that Ole Miss and and Lane are going to be like, hey, dead duck right here. Let's just go to town, boys. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a safe bet. Uh, Tennessee coming off of that pretty embarrassing uh, showing uh, going on the road to Alabama, Alabama 25 point favorites and knowing Saban, I think they're probably going to end up covering that one too. Let's see the Alabama fans in Tuscaloosa, or I'm sorry, let's see the the Tennessee fans in Tuscaloosa trying to throw a golf ball at Nick Saban. (laughs) I I think Saban will run up in the sands and beat somebody's ass. I agree. I don't think that one's going to be very, uh, very interesting. Um, one game. Uh, so I'm not, taking the over. It, I agree. I'm taking the over on that one. Um, Oklahoma State going to Iowa State. Only a seven-point game there at Ames. Uh, and you have undefeated Oklahoma State vying for a potential playoff spot just behind Oklahoma in the Big 12. I am wanting Oklahoma State, in, in all due respect to our, our uh, Cyclone friend that we have, Travis, mm-hmm. I really think Oklahoma State's got a lot to prove. And I, I don't know. I haven't seen this anywhere, but do you think they might be a little pissed that they didn't get an invite to the SEC too? And so they're just wanting to show everybody, like, uh, we're the best team in the Big 12 this year. Well, I mean, you saw it in Austin last week, you know, when they took that lead late and kept rolling, they started chanting SEC up in their little section just as a kind of spite to the Texas fans. So that was pretty fun. I, I think that I think they're they're a little pissed off about it. And I think that uh, I want I want Oklahoma State to run the table and make it to the playoffs because we've seen Oklahoma. They've crapped out every time they've been in. So let's throw some new blood in there. I take I take Okie State and the over. I think they yeah. win by 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 double digits. Sorry, Travis. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, same same here. Uh, so I'm gonna throw one extra little fun game here at you because uh, I think it might be a little tight. So Wake Forest, too, mind you, is the only undefeated left in the A, A in the ACC at 16. That's so weird is at Army. They're only a three point favorite at Army and their triple option. I, I can't go against Army. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? Nah. I've got I've got too many family members and friends who would who would destroy me <laughs> if I said that Wake Forest is going to go in and take it over Army. Man, and and we saw this with Mississippi State. If it's something that you don't game plan for on a regular basis, the, those weird offenses are hard to defend. They are when you've got somebody like like Mississippi. State and Mike Leach just throwing it 90% of the time, you know it's coming, but you can't stop it because you don't know how to. Right. Uh, I, that Army run game, I think, and I, and I really hope, takes care of Wake Forest. And so uh, the ACC will officially be out of the playoff hunt. Go Army. Go Army. Well, Roy would certainly appreciate that. So, well, I guess, guess we'll keep He's one of the ones I want to – 
crap out of me for cheering for you know saying Army's going to lose. Oh yeah, so uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much a wrap on all the games that really have any relevance outside of really uh, USC going to Notre Dame. But nothing. You have a three and three USC going to Notre Dame, who's still thirteenth with a loss. But you know, I just don't. I'm not really feeling the Trojans winning that one. I, I don't think so. Um, and I, I think Notre Dame, it's hard to go to Notre Dame, which, by the way, again, I can't wait to go there in 2025. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think USC has a, has a lot going forward to go into uh, to Fort, uh, almost Fort Bend, uh, South Bend, and, and take, take the win. Yeah, I think you're right. So, yeah, I mean, that pretty much wraps up what we had uh, this week. So um, I guess uh, it comes down to any socials you want to plug, anything announcement-wise you want to plug that you want our listeners to check out? Uh, no, uh, te- Texas Voices. Thing. I'd encourage everybody to check that out. It's on the CW8 Aggieland every Sunday at 4.30 and same time at a you know, CW station in Waco. Perfect. Uh, and, and be on the lookout. There's some really, really cool things going on for for uh, Texas Voices. And if anybody is going to Mile Zero Fest, be on the lookout for us. We'll be having a great time. And, Roth, I do need to get you to come in, man. I know you've got some Dixie Chicken stories that you can come and sit and talk talk with and tell us about. Yeah, I'm certainly down, man. Uh, anytime we can make it happen, I'm ready for it. So uh, be sure, folks, if you don't already, be sure to follow me at Rob the Slapper on Twitter. Uh, go follow Roy May and keep up with his shenanigans uh, over at Roy May 15 on Twitter. And then, of course, for uh, Adam Drake, at the Adam Drake on Twitter. And uh, be sure to go get the Adam Drake. Up. Yep, the Adam Drake. I'm on here as, as just a representative of myself, but I would be uh, amiss if I didn't tell you to also follow the Dixie Chicken on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, uh, chicken oil company on on Instagram and Facebook, and the driving saloon over everything else as well because nope. the, there are always cool things going on. And uh, by the way, this weekend, if anybody wants to stop by and hang out at the driving, uh, we've got a fantastic new shot over there. Uh, it, it's from Snap Vodka, which is a locally owned vodka company, okay. um, uh, owned and operated. That uh, we have the game day shot, which is amazing. Awesome. And, uh, of course, uh, y'all are also hiring. Well, I, I mean, uh, every, everybody is hiring right now. But, uh, and, I, again, I might be biased. But, yeah, it is working at the Dixie Chicken is a really cool place because not, not many other places do you get the, the, the history and the camaraderie uh, that you get at the Dixie Chicken just because, you know, we've been around for 50 years. And, mm-hmm. and people make it a point to come in. Every single every single game day, so it is a lot of fun. So if you know anybody hiring, Rob, man, if you want to come work work the door one day, <laughs> walk out with a, with a couple of extra bucks in your pocket, man. You know, I I might know a guy. We might be able to get you in pretty easy. I'll keep that in mind, folks. Well, hey guys, once again, this was the Red Ass Podcast, um, and you know, be sure to check us out on all of our socials. Uh, and you know, once again, thank you so much for listening in. Um, we should have Roy back in two weeks, so. I'll have probably one more guest on uh, this next weekend after South Carolina before the bye week. And we'll just make that kind of an easy going week or I might just run it myself. So uh, thank you. Thanks, Gigum. Uh, beat the hell out of South Carolina and we'll catch you guys soon. Y'all take care. Thanks, Gigum. <laughs>